Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out onto the snowy streets of Chicago. And lo and behold, this is the lowest point in the entire time that we've done this Bulls podcast. It is literally four tires and aluminum foil. And next to me, my co-pilot, is the great one, Doug Tonus, who's actually walking. He's walking on the side of the bus. It's such in such, in such poor shape. How you doing, brother? I'm doing okay. I, I want to go back in time a little bit. I, do you know anyone who said two and a half years ago that two and a half years from now we're going to be completely screwed? Um, I might have been the newest member of the uh, Northeast Idaho Prophet Society. Doug Tonus. Is that right? <laughs> so, the Podfather. I mean, nothing, nothing's a surprise, right? Like, really? Nothing is a surprise? Are you kidding me? I mean, Doug, this is, this is somewhat of a surprise. No, it's Even, not. It's uh, not. Outside of you, outside of you, yes, it is, Doug. Outside mm-hmm. of you, there is no one who believed it would get this bad. There, th- that's not true. Come on. This is bad. This is beyond what I think even... I think you, in the middle of the night when you woke up, you probably said, you know what, even I didn't expect it to get this ugly this quick. Isn't that true? Let's be uh, honest. Sort of. Let me, let me put it this way. I predicted, I think, 42 wins on the season. So it's obviously a lot worse than that, right? Um, I'm always optimistic on my Bulls predictions yes. for, for stuff. But uh, I thought we would be in this general state of really badness, and it would hit either this year or next year. And... The thought I had this year, and I said 42 wins, but I said there is potential for a downward spiral because these guys have been together for a long time and it hasn't worked. And have you ever like been at a job for like several years and it's just not clicking and it's like really bad and you know, you're not meeting your goals and the company's doing bad and like whatever, it's just like bad, like it's a bad environment. And after a couple years and it's like the environment just crumbles from within and it's even worse and you just have to get out. And I think the Bulls have just kind of hit that point. So like now I think they're definitely underperforming their talent. Like I don't think they're the fifth worst team in the league or whatever, sixth worst team, whatever they are in the tankathon standings now in terms of talent. But they've, they've given up. The team has just given up and they, they crumbled internally. And that's not a huge surprise to me. It was one of those things I thought was going to happen this year or next year if there weren't major changes, just because things have been kind of in this status quo, underperforming sort of state now, you know, for a year and a half, right? Like once Lonzo went down, and I don't think Lonzo was the hugest difference maker, but it was like a massive downward spiral after that, that year. You know, that year ended on a very sour note, even though there was a lot of positivity early. And then, you know, last year, was like pretty, pretty negative the whole time. And then we heard all that stuff about how they had this Nashville trip and the team didn't really bond and they were trying to get them together. I think, I've, I've said this on my show, really underestimated how bad the vibe was with the team. You know, and they came out and told us that, right? They said the vibe is bad. And had I thought about that a little bit more, I would have probably given a little bit more credence to the idea that the wheels are just going to completely fall off. Like, these guys just aren't in each other's corners anymore. I think that's what we've seen. Well, I think it all starts and ends with Vooch. And I know people are laughing who are probably listening to this, but 
the signs that you heard in the offseason about we need to work through Vooch, we need to work the offense through Vooch, we need to get him more touches, to me that was a clear indication that in the negotiations for his extension, which you know of itself is was a major mistake, I don't know how anyone can argue otherwise, especially the fact that they added a third year. Like, I want to know the team that was going to give him three years. But regardless, it seems to me as a part of those negotiations, there was a clear conversation or mandate to Billy, I want a bigger part of the offense. I want to be more involved in the offense. And that was clear when he threw the ball through the stanchion in the first game. And I think it's just, it's to me, it's apparent every game starts out the same way. And I think it's part of our slow starts is we're getting him in, with the ball below the free throw line in the low post like it's 1989. There's, there's attempts to do that, kind of like how the Bulls used to do with Cartwright in the early 90s. Let's start out every game so we can keep it even for a while while we're trying to waste time and give him touches. I, I think that was a horrible sign, and that's really affected the entire dynamic. The two reasons why this team is at this point unequivocally are his decline into a non-shooter from the three-point line. And I know I've hammered on this over and over again. And I know the point that you make, Doug, is like as a career player, as a career three-point shooter, what he was doing was unsustainable when we got him. Six attempts per game, 40% from the three-point line. I never expected he'd be in the 20s. I never expected him to be this bad and to decline this far to the point now where he shouldn't even be shooting threes. He's that bad. He's the worst three-point shooter probably on, on decent volume in the NBA. Maybe there are others who've taken more attempts. I, I'd be shocked if there are, there are who have a lower percentage. That combined with Patrick Williams, who they were betting on everything that his progression in year four would yield results in a player at the four position who can make an impact on a defensive and offensive end. And Patrick has talent in hitting the three. He made a, had a really nice game for the most part on the offensive end uh, against uh, the Nets. But on the defensive end, he's he's completely lost as a help defender. He's terrible at it. And I'm, I'm just, I grow weary and tired of people calling out like he's some kind of excellent, you know, first or second team all defensive candidate. He's not. He's a good one-on-one defender. He's solid there. As an off-ball defender, he's terrible. When was the last time you saw him come on a help defense and block a shot? When was the last time you saw him come on, on a help side and get a steal? Like, I can't even remember it. And Doug, here's another point. You know, what's one of the most iconic images in the last 15 years? It's of Taj Gibson in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals with a put-back dunk. He had two of them in that game. When was the last time, do you recall, the Bulls getting an offensive rebound slam? When was the last time we've seen that? Do you, do you recall it happening this year? I really can't. Definitely not from Patrick Williams or anyone else on this team. It's a horrible situation. And, you know, everybody wants to put the blame on DeMar's decline. He's declined. Zach is not having a good year. To me, it's those two things are one and two. One A, two A. What say you? I don't think it matters. Take your pick. Like, literally, take your pick. I, I don't, I, I think Vooch is closer to his career numbers than DeMar and Zach are. Uh, those Zach's kind of, over the last few games, uh, risen the numbers. It's interesting. He's actually put up pretty great stats since the trading. He's been so, good. Um, yeah. So he's, he's climbing back up to where he was. You know, but Vooch is not all that different than his career numbers. This is just who he is. And he's 33 and he's slowing down at the rate you would expect a a guy his size and with his skill level to be at 33, which is all stuff you could have projected in advance. Uh, I do agree with you that the thought that 
it seems like one, the Bulls bid against themselves, two, that contract was stupid, and three, they also made promises about his role in the offense is just a trifecta of idiocy from management. And, and I agree that all three of those things, you know, like happened. Uh, but but I, I don't think like Vooch is any more to blame for the results than anyone else. We ran the same thing of trying to set Vooch up early the last two years. We'd always, at the beginning of every game, we're going to try and establish Vooch in the post because if we don't, he's going to be whiny and sulky and not do anything the rest of the game. And so whatever, that's it. I just don't think that's like really different than what we've done the last couple of years. I'd, I'd say like probably the bigger difference is DeMar just playing really poorly. You know, like two years ago, DeMar single-handedly won like five games at the You're buzzer. Right. You know, Even like, after so Crusoe that's went huge, down. Huge, huge difference. If you recall, when Crusoe and, um, and Ball went down, we were still winning because of DeMar DeRozan. He was single-handedly winning games for at least two yeah. weeks before we took a decline. You're right. Yeah. And he's not even so, close to that now. So, and so if we look at like, so two years ago, DeMar just carried us to a ton of extra wins single-handedly. Last year, this team was a, like really bad, right? Like at the beginning of the year. You remember that, right? Yes. We were just awful. And we were, I don't know if we were quite this awful, but we were pretty close. And then they got to the trade deadline. I think they were on pace to win like 34 games or something at the trade deadline. And then they had a a nice run, you know, in the second after the trade deadline. And that was all due to Zach Levine playing like a superstar. As much as people want to give all the credit to Pat Beverly banging the floor and yelling at guys. You know, Zach Levine all of a sudden became a 90... uh, a 40, 50, 90 right. guy, you know, and, and so, you know, Zach Levine is also playing at a pretty poor level right now. And so if you look at like, we're really getting our wins two years ago is DeMar last year it was Zach. Like those are the guys that were carrying us in our hot stretches. When we were playing well, those are the guys who are making a difference and they're both playing bad now. And so that's, that to me, I think is the, the greater impact of why we're not winning because the guys who generated our wins in the past aren't generating those wins now. And then, like I said, I think it's just the overall vibe. I think people have just been like, whatever, I'm done with this. Zach wants out. I'm, I'm sure other guys you know, are going to talking about like, hey, what's going to happen here? Probably want out. So I just think it's one of those things where you got a lot of little things. The team wasn't that great. It was on the edge. If they had started off playing well, I think they could have kept it together. But they didn't, and then as soon as they hit some adversity, because they're now in year three of this thing, not quite working out how they hoped, they just, they just gave up. And I just think that's where it is. And so, you know, whatever. I, we, we know we need to break this team up, right? And I'd rather have them completely fall off a cliff like they have, where you can be very clear, like, yeah, this has to change. We cannot keep doing this, right? That's actually a better outcome than if they won 40 games and we were like, oh, well, maybe we're just one piece away. Lonzo's going to come back next year. And he can maybe play. And then maybe we'll get back to whatever. Like, I, like I'd rather have them be like, yeah, this can't work. Like, it, like it's like clear that this is not going to work. And actually start looking to make changes because this is not it. This team's not it. You know, DeMar's 34. Vooch is 33. This team's not going anywhere meaningful ever, no matter how much time you give it no matter how many changes you make. So I'm glad that things are in a position where they feel they need to make real changes. I agree with a lot of them. Um, I will counter on that. Like, I, I, they're not playing as 
you said they're playing bad. I don't think they're playing bad. I don't think they're playing great. I think they've been pretty much average. They are below in in terms of their field goal percentages in every aspect statistically. They're still getting to the line. Zach's getting to the line 4.8 times. DeMar 6.9, shooting over 80% from the line. Zach's averaging over 5 rebounds per game and 3.4 assists. DeMar's averaging 4.5 assists, and they're both averaging over 21 points. Vucevic, a career 34.5% three-point shooter, is shooting 25% from the three-point line. On high volume, 3.5 per game. That's where our issue is. And Patrick Williams is shooting, has an effective field goal percentage of 45%. He's at, even after the hot streak, he's at 35% from three in a very hot streak. He's 37.6% overall, and he's averaging how many rebounds per game? 3.8 from our power forward. Come on. I mean, like, these, those two guys are killing us. And not on, on top of that, Carter and Craig, so, these great additions that we got, suddenly we realize, oh, this is why we were able to get Tory Craig on a, on a minimum contract. They're shooting under 20% from three in the last, like, seven games. They're both been horrible. It's like Carter is down to 36.9% from three after being at, like, 50% for the first part of the year. Tory Craig's shooting... 26.8% from three. Now, you and I both stated before the season, hey, maybe his 40% was an aberration last year. But to fall, to be shooting 38% overall, 26% from three, these key additions have sucked. Every player in this team is below outside of Caruso, and I would say even Kobe White, who has really played well lately, really played well lately, uh, outside of those two players is well below where that we should expect to be from their career numbers. What say you? So I want to first convince you, Fred, stop looking at all these dumbass percentages. Okay. Okay. Look at true shooting percentage. It combines everything you just talked about into one number. It combines your overall efficiency as a scorer, except for turnovers. It doesn't count, it count for turnovers. But it accounts for your three-point shooting. It accounts for your two-point mm-hmm. shooting. It accounts for your free throws. Okay. So, like, look at that number. That's like the overall how efficient is this guy on offense number. Zach's leading the team. Uh, and so, like the league average is probably about 57%. I'm not looking it up. Just it's probably about 57%. Um, so Vooch's career, I want to say, and I don't have the numbers all in front of me, but I want to say Vooch's career, because I look at this a lot, which is 51. why I sort of know this. Vooch's career is like 54.5%, which is really bad. And he's at, he's at 51. So he's not like that far off his career, which is why I said, this is just who he is. He's like old. He's 33. You expect him to be worse than his career average at 33. Uh, Zach, I don't know what his career is. 57 is probably pretty close to his career. He's at 57, 8 now. But his last three years have, prob- have all been above 60, I believe. It was like 62.5 and like maybe 60.8 and like something like that. So relative to his recent years, he's also about 30 points below his recent years, just like Vooch is like 30 points below his career. DeMar's recent years have also been above 60, and he's at 54. So he's 60 points below what he's done recently. And that's why I say, like, DeMar's play is actually a bigger drop-off in his overall efficiency than other guys. Pat Williams, it doesn't, he's not like a high enough volume guy. The, these numbers become less meaningful when you're a low-volume guy. You know, the guys who take a lot of shots and they create a lot of shots, they mean a lot more. The guys who don't create shots, you know, they, often they can have really good numbers even if they're not great scorers because yeah. their shot quality is so high, right? You know, like Alex Crusoe right now is 72%, but 
But like, how many none. contested yeah, shots exactly. has Alex Caruso taken this year? Like, probably almost none. You know, he's shooting only wide open threes. If Zach was shooting wide open threes, he'd probably be like ninety percent. You know, it's just, but but no one would give Zach a wide open three, unless you know, like it's a broken play or whatever. It just doesn't happen. So, um, I guess in short, everyone is playing badly. Everyone in our offense is playing badly. Our offense looks broken. And if you think about how you create good offense, you want to create mismatches. You need guys who create gravity. And there's like a lot of different ways to do that, but we don't do any of them. Uh, I think the Brooklyn game is a great microcosm of Vooch. At the beginning of the game, Brooklyn was basically, they, uh, Nick Claxton was out, so they were like really undersized. We threw the ball into the post, and they got really scared of Vooch, and they just started like sending waves of guys at him. And we just started yeah. that game like a house on fire, right? Like we're just launching threes all over the place, just killing them. And then Brooklyn, like six, seven minutes in, they're like, you know what? Maybe we should not quintuple team Vooch in the post. And they just started leaving him in single coverage with whoever was there. Like there were guards on him at times or like whatever. Just they didn't care. And Vooch could never punish them after that because he's just not a great, he's just not a great post-up player. Like even when he has a mismatch, he's just not a great post-up player unless he's, but he's just a willing completely passer. open and can dunk or is like uncontested. But he can't hold his position. He's... He's a willing passer, but, so, but as soon as they single-covered him, he couldn't punish them, and now there's no one to pass to because everyone on the perimeter is covered up because they're not doubling him, and there was no gravity. And that's why I mean, like, so if people respect Vooch in the post, then I think that offense can work fine. But there's no reason for anyone to respect Vooch in the post because to earn that respect, you have to be able to destroy the team if they leave you in that single coverage. Like, Joel Embiid, if he had a guard on him three feet from the basket, you know, it, like, he'd score, like, like, nine out of ten possessions. And Vooch would score, like, four out of ten. And a team, correctly, will just be like, all right, go ahead. Just go ahead. And so that's, like, kind of, like, the challenge with that. And so if that offense isn't working for you, you know, then you can try and create gravity through, like, a pick and roll. Like, can we get a switch? Can we get a matchup? Can we get them to double one guy and get one guy a free run? You know, does... We get the defense moving, and now because someone had to help, you know, the helper didn't help, as Stacy always likes to say, and now someone is open somewhere. And so the Bulls have not had a lot of ball movement or a lot of player movement, right? Like the ball tends to be kind of static, and the players tend to stand around. They don't have a lot of movement in their offense, and so they're just not really creating a lot of openings for players. You know, and then we've not shot the ball well, even when we do get good shots. But I, th I think, like, overall, it's just like a lackadaisical play to this whole team for the most part now. And that just this is what it is, and that gets back to what I said. I think they've just given up. They just no longer want to fight that hard for it anymore. And they're like, Zach's like, yeah, I'm out. You know, figure out a trade for me. And we know there's, like, limitations on how easy it'll be to trade him for, like, another, you know, probably December 15th, maybe some things will open up. January 15th, the Lakers open up. December 31st, the 76ers open up. You know, maybe a team like the Kings could trade for him now. But I think that's, like, the... The challenge is it's like, you know, the team knows it's getting broken up. They're just done. They're just done with each other. That's it. That's, that's all there Doug, is. Like, it's not more complicated what, than that. What do you think DeMar DeRozan at this point, what's his strength? What, 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 is, what does he do well on the offensive end of the, of, the, of the court? And, again, our problems defensively, our numbers are not horrific. It's on the offensive end that they're just terrible. What is it that he does well? I mean, he still is a good mid-range shooter. 
He still is, if you need a guy to take a shot that's like a contested shot, you know, and a guy who's going to just be able to make a shot in traffic, you know, and, and create an isolation play, like those plays are usually really low percentage. And I think DeMar still gets you that play better than most people in the league. Um, but he, he, the thing is, the problem with DeMar is like he's not good enough as a number one player to lead you anywhere. And then if he doesn't have the ball, he really hurts you, right? Because he can't shoot. Uh, threes, you can't space the floor in, in crowds where you are. And, and the combination of Vooch and uh, DeMar together is extremely painful because both those guys are occupying the same mid-range kind of space and can't space the floor. Yeah, so, I, I think you kind of touched on, well, what to me, what he still does well, what he still lead at. He's 12th in the league in terms of free throw attempts per game. He gets a lot to of the line. Yeah, he's, he's sure. 12th. There's only 11 guys in the NBA who get to the line more than DeMar DeRozan. Last year he was top 10, and, and, and now he's fallen off a bit. How do you get to the line? You get to the line using your craft. It's primarily taking a, a, a perimeter defender and taking him off the dribble, getting him in the air, faking him up, or getting or driving to the hoop. That's where the, the fouls most often occur. There is no room to work. I mean, people have just given up on guarding Vooch at the three-point line. So even if you're doing a pick and roll, like oftentimes I see it's affecting Zach too. It's like they don't even bother to guard him. They're just like, if he's going to pick and pop, go ahead, do it all day. They don't even guard him. Yeah. This combination, like I understand, you know, if you're if you're a rim protector, you're not going to hit the threes, that's fine. At least you can cover the paint on the opposite end. You can't be a rim presenter and not be able to hit the three, not be a stretch five. That combination will kill a team. And he's the reason DeMar and, and Zach are struggling is because, and I highlighted this, like DeMar had a, a broke down a player on the perimeter, drove to the lane, ball stolen because the center is waiting there for him. I see it with my own son coaching for years. Like if you have, if you're packing the paint with defenders and you're not able to extend the defense, it is extremely hard on the perimeter players who want to get to the rim. It's very hard. Spacing matters in the NBA and the Bulls just don't have it with him. I don't know how you fix that unless you go small and you can't even go small in this team because we're already too small. If you want to play small, there's got to be like a, a, a four or five that's at six, eight or six, nine that can play the center position. Kind of, I guess what we we can't even we don't even have that option because Patrick Williams is so poor at defending the rim and so poor as a help defender. We can't even play him as a stretch five. Like it's it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. And last year we kind of had that a little bit with um, Jones Jr. But we we don't even have that now. Like, can we go small? How do you go small with this team? What's your options? You have to go Tory Craig at center. Which is a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. He's and Tory Craig for a while looked like he was shooting well and was playing really well early, and then now he's really slumped since they moved him to the starting lineup. Um, but yeah, I, I just like I said, this team just doesn't have the talent, and they've given up. You know, like for a while they were fighting really hard and they were doing their best, and now you know, like they're probably just going out there going like eighty percent. And against a, a team that's going to put out more effort, they're just always going to lose. Doug, I think we're all in agreement, and I think you're. I think you're right. Like you made a great point that hey, this is kind of probably a best case scenario because this is going to force their hand. Like they're not going to win. I'd be shocked if they win two games out of their next ten. Wouldn't you? I mean, looking at the schedule and how what a, what a bloodbath it's going to be. 
this is going to get super ugly super quick. When it gets this ugly, you don't have a choice. Like you don't trade Zach for role players and try to salvage the season. You need to rebuild and sell every available asset. To that end, I'd like your opinion. Rank the top five bulls in terms of what you could get in return. So, like, I think unequivocally we're both in agreement. Caruso will probably return two number ones because he's a valuable player. He's gonna All the contenders are going to be bidding for his services. They won't be afraid to give away a number one. It'll probably be, you know, 20 or higher. Do you agree with that? Like, you think Caruso is going to get you the most in return? No. Oh, you don't? I, who, I think who, Zach who will get you think? the most in return. Really? That's interesting. So you, you, you think you, you, we can get two number ones for Zach Levine? I don't think you should use the phrase two number ones. Because like, if you get two number ones and they're like 22 and 25, that's really not any good value. Like 22 and 25 are a lot worse than like, say, 12. Yes. So you can't, you can't just say the number of first round draft picks as if that is like some valuable thing. It depends on the amount of protection on them. It depends on how likely they are to be delivered in a good spot. It depends on how far away they are from the current date. Like, so there's a lot of factors. You can't just say, I got X number of picks and that makes it better. Like, it just doesn't. Like, it's just not an equivalence. So I don't think, I think Caruso would effectively give you the value of one, like, mid-round first round pick. Like, I think he's worth maybe like the 15th pick in the draft to someone and a matching salary of like a junk player, like just whatever. The other thing is just expiring. I think that's probably what Caruso's worth. I think Zach is worth a little bit more than that. Would you agree that teams bidding against each other raise the value of a player? Of course. So wouldn't you agree that there are going to be more teams bidding for Caruso's services than Zach Levine's? But I don't think any of them will bid highly. I disagree with you on this one. I think Crusoe is going to get more in return because the counter to Zach is Zach has two big negatives. His contract, number one. Number two, his injury history. Now, I know he played a lot of games last year, but I he still think... He was third in the NBA in minutes last year. Agreed, Doug. Agreed, but there's <laughs> played, still people played, in the league. He has, not ha- he has not had a significant injury since the ACL like five years ago. You don't think that's still a concern, though, for NBA no. GMs? Like... They're, no. they're going to be like, I don't know about taking in Zach. He's not had a significant injury in five years, so no, I don't think that's a significant concern. I hope you're right. I think there are teams that are still going to look at that as like, eh, 28 going on 29, is he going to have another potential issue? But I agree with you. I mean, I, I think it is overrated. <laughs> I mean, but like People still maybe, talk about it. Well, sure, people talk about all kinds of things. People talk about getting Vooch in the post. Look, I'm not going to... I don't have to address every stupid thing someone says. <laughs> all right, so, regard. Right, so you have Zach one. I have, I have him Zach two. one. I think it's a reasonable debate, though. Like, I'm not saying you're crazy for picking Caruso number one. It wouldn't shock me if Caruso got you the most. But I think Zach. So here's the thing: is it's the highest bidder that matters, right? Yes. I yep. don't think there's anyone who looks at Caruso and says this guy is a star player. Like, everyone who looks at Caruso is going to be like, yeah, this guy's a role player. He's going to help my defense. You know, he's going to do a lot of good things for me. I like him. But everyone looks at Caruso as like, yeah, he's going to be, at best, my fourth best player on my team and probably my fifth or sixth best player on my team. Would you agree with that? No one's going to trade for Caruso thinking he's going to be in their top three. 
overall, but on the defensive end, he could be the best. No, I don't. Oh, no, don't. No, overall, is he going to be in the top three in anyone who trades for him? No, not, not for a no, contender. No. Agreed. So I do think a team can squint hard and look at Zach and say, yeah, he could be my third best player or he could be my second best player. Like, I'm not for sure that that's going to happen, but it wouldn't shock me if someone who had, like, like you're the Lakers and you trade for Zach, you're definitely like, yeah, this is our third best player. All of mm-hmm. Zach's flaws are going to be covered up by LeBron and AD. He's going to be in the Clay Thompson role, launching wide open threes and then taking guys off the dribble against, like, the third worst defender on the, on the floor. Like, yeah, he's going to kick ass in that role. Like, I think a team like that could look at Zach and be like, yeah, he's our third best guy. So I think that's like kind of the difference is it, it would take the right team to look at Zach, squint hard, and think he could be our number like 2B, you know, or 3A. And then maybe they point, and, and we really want something to happen now and then pony up more assets. And I just think because people will look at Caruso and be like, he's probably the fifth guy. Like, I think there's like a limit on how much you're going to pay for the fifth guy, no matter how good he is. And the limit of what you would pay for the third guy or a 2B guy who is like about the same as your second guy, that limit I just think is much higher if you find the team that talks themselves into it. I agree with that to a certain extent. It's still the contract, though. You're not factoring in Crusoe's on a I, fantastic contract. And Zach you're going gonna to lecture me about contracts? just want to start out with that. I'm not going to lecture you. I'm just saying. I, Zach's I'm just contract. saying. You, you, think, you, want to, you want to discuss contracts and finances with me. I'm just giving you a little bit of shit. Okay. <laughs> I mean, look at Here, Zach Levine's contract. Do you think that's a plus or a negative for most GM? I think it's a neutral. What about Caruso? Caruso is a positive contract, but again, it's no your fifth doubt. guy. It's your fifth guy. Like, it's, it's okay. positive, but what? It's like $5 million positive? You think Caruso's worth like $25 million? Like, the team that trades for Zach is... The, tre- the team that trades for Zach is probably not going to care that much about the contract because they're trying to have higher goals. Do you think the Lakers are going to give a crap about how much luxury tax they pay or how much the contract is if they make a trade? They're not. They're not. They're going to look at, they're gonna look at like, what is the best thing I could do? That is what like, the Lakers and a team trying to win a title, they're going to look at that. Um, with the salary cap rising, with new NBA TV deals coming in, the back end of Zach's contract is not going to be bad at all. I... I agree with you. Like, it's not a great contract. If he was making 20 mil, it'd be totally different. But I, I, don't, think, I don't think it's going to be as big a thing as you think.